Hello, and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I am Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, and I am the older brother of Matthew Farrell. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the most recent episode, which is Why Haven't Electric Planes Taken Off Yet? Electric Aircraft Explained. This is from August 4th, 2020, and includes some of the worst plane puns I have ever heard. <laughs> I was worried that there was going to be, it was so pun-filled, I was worried that people were going to be like, oh, come on, Matt. But I got quite a few comments about, love the pun jokes. <laughs> I was like, great. <laughs> yeah, it was when you said, but are there electric plane designs waiting in the wings? That I was just... <laughs> That was the second one. And I felt like, okay, he's doing, he's buzzing right over our heads. He's just <laughs> <laughs> dive bombing us. And I'm chilling mom, Sean. <laughs> yes, that was definitely, <laughs> it was full of jokes that mom would have been very proud of. Very proud of. Yes. Very, very proud of. <laughs> it is, as you point out, a far more challenging area for travel than cars. If you're driving at 70 miles an hour down a highway and your electric car stops working properly, in all likelihood, you will slowly drift to the side of the road. Right. If you are flying at 400 miles an hour, 25,000 feet above the ground, and your vehicle stops working, it is entirely possible that something far worse <laughs> happens. <laughs> But as you also point out, the impact could be huge given the amount of fuel being used at any one time by the very large aircraft. Yes. And the impact could be huge. I, I appreciated that you pointed out something in your video, which was the people who are pursuing this the hardest are looking at it completely from a business perspective. Yeah. It just makes business sense. Yes. To try to push for flights that cost almost $400 less per it, it's, 100 mile flight. Then it's insane. It's insane yeah. how much it's, it's not also just the cost of electricity. It's because electric motors are mm -hmm. so much more efficient than combustion engines. Mm -hmm. They just do a better utilization of the fuel and the energy that's in the fuel. There's less mm -hmm. waste. It's like on, on a Tesla, it's like you're talking about like a 90% efficiency rating. So 90% of the energy that is being used is actually going to making the car move. <laughs> right. Where in a car, it's far less than that. So it's, it's the same thing with planes. So it's not just cheap electricity. It's also just the efficiency of the energy. And it's, it's just, it's substantial. So it makes perfect sense why businesses would be going, we want to go down this path because it will make for much cheaper operation. Yeah. And there was a conversation in your comments where somebody had an issue with that. They wrote $400 for a 100-mile flight versus $6 for an electric is, they said, I call foul. There's no way electric is 66 times more efficient than the gas combustion. Somebody responded back simply pointing out, we're talking cost. It isn't just efficiency, it's wattage cost. Electricity being massively less expensive than fuel and yes. more efficient to boot. So it's a combination of, of factors that work this, to its advantage. Yeah. This isn't the fuel that you put in your car. This is, we're talking jet fuel. Yeah. <laughs> this kerosene-based jet fuel is very, 
very expensive. You're talking about the wattage, like some areas you're talking about eight cents, 11 cents per kilowatt <laughs> versus $100, $400 for kerosene gas. So it's it makes perfect sense why it's so much cheaper. It has nothing to do with subsidies. It has nothing to do with any of that. It's just straight up, just cost. <laughs> One of the interesting conversations that appeared in the comments was started by Vinay Sridhar, who wrote, and again, I will throw out there really quickly, apologies to anybody whose name I get wrong. I am doing um, most educated <laughs> guess toward pronunciation. So Vinay wrote, I was expecting him, you're the him, Matthew. I, I, I was expecting that. him to talk about MIT's remote laser powered electric aircrafts. It's about energy being supplied to the aircraft while it's flying so that no batteries are required. I hadn't heard of that. So that when I saw that comment, I looked it up and I was like, okay, hadn't heard of that one before. But the conversation that spun out of it was fascinating because somebody, Freak Hoekstra, responded, the curvature of the earth makes it pretty hard to do that over range not even taking into account diffraction due to the atmosphere. Different pressure gradients and humidity levels will make it extremely hard to keep a coherent beam. Vinay then linked a video. So if anybody's interested, you can find Vinay in the comments and he provided a video which talks about the problems that were mentioned in that previous comment. And then another person jumped in, Anton Nim jumped in and said, I'm a researcher and I have looked at this. It sounds good on paper, but when you scale up, the skies are going to be full of laser beams. And I don't think that's a good thing. The image that popped into my head of aircraft flying overhead while also simultaneously being sliced into ribbons by the myriad of lasers that were pointed at the sky yeah. is <laughs> a comical image. But even that then received a response from Joe Bloggs, who wrote, it would be a good use in conjunction with batteries, though, basically refueling stations every 200 miles that refuel you in the air. It doesn't really matter how many lasers are flying to the sky if it's just an area in the middle of nowhere. So that's an interesting point. Yeah, your commenters uh, full of some interesting not only facts, but ideas and the potential for development along all the different routes that are currently being researched and the hybrids that could come out of that are really fascinating. Your video is really focused on commercial air travel for people. Yes. Because there are some things being developed. Lockheed Martin on their website actually has an interesting page about hybrid airships. Yes. Which are our modern <laughs> blimps. And they are clearly marketing this as we're doing this with an eye toward it's like a replacement for trains. It's like, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it really does look like that's exactly the image that, that popped into my head was the ability for a blimp to fly into areas where there is not ease of access. Like they mention mining installations in Canada that are so remote that they don't have the roads to be able to get the biggest equipment to those locations easily. And they also don't have airstrips for planes to land. And these blimps are an option where you can actually fly heavy equipment over the mountains and then land vertically. So it's taking those problems out. And in the images that they've created, the, the artist visions, one of the, the shots is of somewhere in a, in a remote location in Africa. And you see this place that does not have an airstrip, but a blimp landed and people unloading 
supplies into a very remote village. So I looked into that a little bit and one of the things that's in development right now actually links back to something you've talked about in the past, which is a graphene battery Mm -hmm. is in development for some of these airships. So I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, the the comment about airships came up a bunch in the comments when I was reading through them and responding to a lot of people. And I love the idea of kind of airships making a comeback because we, we now know how to do it safely, effectively, and we have technologies that can make it very efficient <laughs> as you point out it's like you know a straight line between two points is the fastest path it's like have not having to ship things in roundabout pathways through trains and shipping and mm-hmm. airports being able to go from point a to point b almost directly with airships could have a huge impact on cost of cargo and getting things to locations we normally can't get them to so it's it's there's so much potential there, but I, I've said this before. It's like, there's more than one way to skin a cat. It's, it's not like if there's battery airplanes, we don't need airships. It's like, yeah. we can have them both. We can have it all. It's like, there's nothing to say that fuel cells won't have their area and battery electric cars won't have their area and that there might be battery planes, that there might be airships. It's like, there's going to be a little mm-hmm. mix of whatever is the right tool for the job. That's what we use. And so it's like, it's gonna be really cool to see if airships kind of, <laughs> Make a comeback. I also, the potential, and this is something I read about maybe 15 years ago, maybe even longer. It was an article about airships and the potential for them to come back as a luxury air air travel, basically. Right. That would be somewhere between a cruise and a train travel. The speeds at which blimps can travel is... I think the fastest blimp can go 70 miles an hour and that's the newest Goodyear blimp and other blimps, the average speed for most of them is around 50. So if you look at the travel between say New York and Chicago, that's almost 800 miles. So it would take you 16 hours to do it Mm -hmm. if you were doing it at 50 miles an hour. Obviously that's not a timetable that would make a lot of sense for people who are accustomed to being able to get onto a plane and two hours later land in Chicago. Mm -hmm. But if your goal was a more luxurious uh, pace where you're living in a cabin and you have a dining room and lounges with tons of windows and you're traveling in a dirigible with maybe 200 other people total, and it's got a sort of sky mall feel that would have a lot of appeal for wealthier travelers who might want to take a trip from New York to the West Coast that might take three or four days total and have a kind of hotel in the sky kind of experience yep. with a few stops in between. And that feels both very retro and very futuristic at the same time. It almost feels like a alternate reality movies where it's like, it's like it's modern day, but it's not. And the people look up at the Empire State Building, they see all these like blimps attached to the top of the skyscraper. It's like, this yeah. isn't my time. It's yeah. Like, that's, what, that's, kind of what, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. Sky <laughs> captain in the world of tomorrow. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I think is the, the real, I think the, the real kernel of your video, which is like you said, there's more than one way to get to that goal. We should be excited by the myriad of options that are available. 
Mm -hmm. and the way that researchers are approaching these these questions of how will we do this and what is what is realistic and what's not has become very fuzzy. There's a lot less of a barrier between them. I, I get excited about all this stuff because I see the potential of what it could mean. And I'm not I'm not hyper focused always on the negatives of whatever I'm talking about. It's more of big picture. And that thread really strikes home to me on that because it's like how he brought up the the laser power planes and then somebody's response was oh it's not possible because you wouldn't be able to do that over long distances it's like that line of thinking is true but and it sounds very true but at the same time it's kind of missing the big picture of okay well you can't use it that way how could we use it and that other comment right. saying <laughs> well you could kind of have like Remote fueling stations, as planes are flying, they kind of do, they kind of like just top off as they're going at different locations right. while they're in the air. It's the same thing with um, when I talk to Wytricity about the wireless charging of EVs. It's like you don't have to go to a, a parking location necessarily and sit down and have your car parked for an hour to charge up. It's like, what if these things were just in taxi queues as taxis mm -hmm. are waiting for passengers to get in their cars it's like every time they're at the airport picking up passengers they're actually just topping up while they're just doing their natural driving you start to think about how to apply these things in ways that are a little bit of outside the box and that's where for me the excitement comes around these technologies is yeah there's limitations but how can we take advantage of these in a way that makes the most sense to, to add to that, there was another uh, theme of comments I was seeing. These comments are 100% correct. I'm not saying they're wrong at all because some of them actually were coming from pilots, one of which was one of my patrons who's a pilot who gave me a lot of feedback on Patreon about this. One of the things to remember is that in current planes, they're loaded up with fuel and technically when planes are taking off, they weigh a lot more than they do when they land. Of course, yeah. And there's a, there's a certain weight that planes have to be under to land safely. And there's a reason why if a plane takes off and then immediately has problems, it has to dump its fuel before it does an emergency landing because it's too heavy to technically land safely immediately. And so the point was batteries, you don't lose weight. Batteries yeah. are that weight at the beginning and they're that weight at the end. And that's something that's got to be dealt with. And while that comment is a hundred percent true to me, it's kind of like a, so what? It's, yeah. this is not like engineers are going to go, oh my God, we just put on, you know, 50% too much weight and now they can't land. It's like, no, no, they're designing this from day one yeah. to be able to land. And that's part of the constraint that makes it difficult right now is because the batteries don't have enough energy density. Right. So they have to keep the batteries under a certain weight so they can take off and land, which means they can only fly hundred miles or 200 miles. Right. So it's, it's not like it's a problem that they're not thinking of. They are absolutely right. thinking of it. And that's part of the constraints they're working in. Part of the reason why when you're looking at your video, you see so many revolutionary airplane designs. Those aren't necessarily just people thinking like, we can make cool looking future planes. It's potentially also we need to rethink how a plane works. So the aerodynamics yeah. might benefit the plane differently because we will not have fuel weight. We will have battery weight. Yeah. It's, it's no different than electric cars. When you look at a Tesla, you notice none of them have door handles that stick out from the car. Right. And Tesla is trying to get rid of the rear view mirrors for the same reason. But in the United States, they can't because there's an actual law on the books 
that requires actual mirrors, which mm. is so antiquated. So they're trying to get right. those laws changed because they need to make the cars as aerodynamic as possible to try to eke the same out thrust. Right. Because they need to eke out every bit of efficiency out of the car because the battery pack is so heavy that they're trying to make up for that right. through more aerodynamic cars to reduce the drag, to make it more efficient, to get better range. Right. So it's like airplanes is the same thing. Not that they haven't been worried about aerodynamics because of course they have been, but they're mm. having to rethink the norms when you're looking at electric versus As you say that, I'm, I, I'm surprised that in your video you didn't include the shot from the movie Airplane of the car with the large umbrella on it on the piston going up and down trying to fly. Yeah. <laughs> and thinking about... You know, the airline industry has, of course, been concerned with aerodynamics. And suddenly in my head, that car is bouncing <laughs> up. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. <laughs> but one of the things that struck me as I was watching the video is I was thinking along these lines of what you and I have been talking about just now. When in your video, one of the designs that was demonstrated looked like a conventional 747 mm -hmm. with the replacement of the engines being BMW electric motors and how they would then have to distribute battery packs into the belly of the, the plane and, and you know, how would this all work while maintaining that classic shape of a modern large passenger airplane. Right. And it was strange because my immediate response to that was, oh, don't go that route. You're cobbling yeah. <laughs> new technology into old technology, and that's not necessarily the best way to go. That was my instinctive response to that. I preferred the ones that looked a little stranger because I was like, those are the ones where the people are saying, this is going to weigh different. This is going to be distributed differently than fuel. This is going to, we can't just replicate. Well, Sean. Fuel. You're a very wise man. I mean, well, all I have to do, all I have to do. <laughs> I, I brought that do. up because I was, I wanted to pat myself on the back <laughs> for being so smart. I was going to say, all you have to do is look at the battery electric vehicles. Like, who's yeah. the dominant player right now? It's Tesla. Tesla started from the ground up, and they didn't try to retrofit an existing gasoline car with batteries. Right. And you look at all the companies that have done that, none of them perform well because you're cramming so many batteries into a trunk space. Right. And then you're losing trunk space, and it then puts the weight of the vehicle off, or you're putting it down this center, you know, where the center... Um, hump is in the car you're putting right. all the batteries down there and it's like it creates all these different problems where if you come at it from square one and go okay we're building a battery car how would we do this it's like yeah. well let's just put a slab of batteries to distribute the weight low to create a low center of gravity evenly distributed between the wheels it's I'm like reminded suddenly, of your story of the water right. pump that tesla developed where yeah, they they exactly. reimagined like what are we trying to do with this thing as opposed yeah. to how do cars do this exactly so, so it's like it's, they're going to have to do the same thing with planes. They can't, they're going to have to start from the ground up. So the next time you go to the airport and the person at the gate says, you'll be getting into this vehicle, which looks largely like a flying toilet. <laughs> Trust me, it is the perfect shape for this electric vehicle. Don't be afraid. Get right it, in. It'll really get you going. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> as we usually do we will end with a few recommendations of things we have been watching little ways to pass the time and i will start as usual because 
when we reach this point in the podcast, I always want to make sure that Matthew has time to figure out what he's going to talk about. <laughs> so I have two suggestions and one of them is a return to Peacock as we spoke of in the most recent episode. And we spoke then about all the different viewing app options and how some of these are going to be also rans and so on and so forth. And I still agree with all of that. And I still scratch my head about whether or not Peacock, Peacock will last, but there is something for a free app. There is something that is fun to watch for a couple of different reasons. And it is a first episode of a show that you can only get using pre peacock premium the name peacock was a terrible decision it's horrible it Absolutely. is actually hard to say in a sentence there's a reason why people don't talk about peacocks <laughs> and they just say things like I, I was on the lawn and i saw the color birds because to say peacock is actually too difficult <laughs> so peacock premium has a show called Hitmen. The first episode is available for free on the free app. So you can check it out. And it's fun to watch. There's two reasons. It is a British sitcom. And I do enjoy that one of the ways that streaming services across the board are filling in the big gaps of programming because no one app has enough programming to fill yeah. 24 yeah. hours a day, seven days a week. I really like the fact that all of these apps are filling those gaps by going worldwide. I think it is a tremendous, it's a growth of American entertainment consumption to remind us that there is talent and intelligence and creativity around the world and that we are not the world's entertainment factory. Yes. So seeing something come from another country is, is always pretty cool. And this is a British sitcom and as my partner and I finished watching it last night, she said, I love British sitcoms because they are as sitcom-y as an American sitcom, but they don't stink. It has all the beats. It's got the pacing. You're watching it and you feel like, okay, here comes the joke. Two, three, four, bang. But you still laugh because it's funnier because they're willing in some ways to go to places that American sitcoms won't go. A little mm -hmm. more off, the you know, off color, a little more dangerous, a little more subversive. This show, Hitmen, is about two hired assassins who work for apparently a mob boss. And they are played by Mel Gidrock and Sue Perkins, who you may remember were the original hosts of The Great British Bake Off. Oh, right. Yeah. And it is a lot of fun to watch their chemistry, which was obvious on The Great British Bake Off, on display in a sitcom where they play the two assassins <laughs> and it is a i think the best description would be it is a lighter version of barry okay where barry is following the character's arc and this doesn't this isn't interested in the character's arc this is setting up jokes right so but it's an interesting companion show to barry so uh, and the first episode revolves around the two of them with the person that they are supposed to kill in a moving van. And they are waiting for word from their boss that they're supposed to take this guy out. 
and the call just isn't coming. And so they are just sitting in the moving van, having a long drawn out conversation around the fact that it's one of their birthdays. <clears throat> and the person that they're supposed to kill joins in on the conversation. He's sitting in the back, hands tied together, wearing a canvas bag over his head. And he begins to just pitch into the conversation and, and talk to the two of them. So the three of them are now having conversations around this one person's birthday. It hmm. is ludicrous and absurd but it is a lot of fun. And so again, Peacock is free. Download the app, check out this one episode. I viewed it last night thinking I'm not going to pay for the premium, but someday this show will probably be available on some other app somewhere. And maybe I'll check it out then. So I got a, a taste of it and I actually really enjoyed it. So that sounds cool. Yeah, it was fun. I, I love them on the, the Great British Bake Off. So it's, it's yeah. sounds pretty cool. Other thing I wanted to mention was a movie that is newly available on HBO Max, and this is the newest Seth Rogen movie. Yeah, The Pickle. Yeah, An American Pickle. <laughs> yeah. And it's based on a short story called The Sellout by Simon Rich, and Simon Rich also wrote the screenplay. And it is a very lovingly told story about family not just family in the direct, these are the people you're related to sense, but history in there as well. And it's the story of a man a hundred years ago who accidentally gets pickled into a giant pickle vat and then <laughs> is discovered a hundred years later and is perfectly preserved and comes out of the pickle vat and is perfectly fine. <laughs> I love Ridiculous, is, but awesome. <laughs> it is ridiculous, and the movie handles the ridiculousness of it perfectly. It is, I've never seen it, but my understanding of this is very similar to Hot Tub Time Machines logic, which is... Just go with it. Just go up, with just it. Just go with it. I have a story yeah. to tell you. Yes. And in fact, there's a great scene where the science of how this worked is included, and the way it's included is as the scientists begin to talk how this happened... The narrator comes in over them and says, and then the scientist described what happened and it made perfect sense and everybody was comfortable. <laughs> and then it goes back into the dialogue. It goes back into the actual dialogue in the scene with the reporter saying, oh, that makes perfect sense. Now I understand. That so, is that is awesome. That is so awesome. They just completely leapfrog over the whole like yada yada yada. Yeah, like yada yada yada. Everything works out. So now we go on with the story. And it is, every time I see a Seth Rogen movie, I am reminded again of how deep his comedy actually is. It is always very heartfelt. It always yeah. has a good center um, and a good goal. And this is the story between an Orthodox Jewish man from the past who is now meeting his great-grandson who is a non-practicing Jew. So... It's less about the fish out of water looking at the big city and not understanding how the world works now, but not understanding how his own family member can operate no matter what the world looks like without that family root of mm -hmm. faith. And it is a, it's a very nice story about something that I think many, many families go through in real life, which is parents and siblings and children looking at one another and saying, I understand what you're saying, but I don't believe in the same thing. Right. And how do you find 
common ground between those things. And it doesn't just have to be faith. It can be anything from you think about gender norms to sexuality to race. How do you look at somebody who has that you have a genetic family connection or a rearing connection, which means you're supposed to be on the same side and you're not. Right. And how do you get past that or through that or grow with that? And so I think it's a, it's a movie with a very good heart and it has some great comedic moments. And I really like Seth Rogen as an actor in this. He plays two very different characters and he does a really nice job of it. And uh, my, my girlfriend told me last night that apparently there was originally going to be, there was a table read where they had somebody else play yes. the younger version yep. and that the motion picture company convinced him, the studio convinced him that he should play both roles. And his hesitance was there's never been a good movie where the same person played split screen. Yep. And uh, I think he actually does a really nice job with it because he's doing this for the one character. He's doing an accent and he's wearing all these old clothes and it really does come across as this man out of time and then the other one is just a very contemporary just guy a computer developer the whole thing all 90 minutes of it was a real just nice breath of fresh air which was really what we were looking for last night so if you're looking for the movie that's going to hit the right notes in your heart and not be too difficult in uh how it conveys that information. This is, I think a good movie. Yeah. I, I, I want to watch that for sure. Um, when I heard about it and saw what it was about, it was like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> that's, that's sounds ridiculous. I want to, I want to see this movie. It, that actually ties to something I wanted to bring up, which given the situation we're in with COVID and movie theaters for the most part being closed, um, it's been fascinating. I'm, I'm a huge movie fan. It's been fascinating to see how movie production companies are handling rollouts and delays of movies because traditionally movie theaters have had a really good leverage against uh, distributors to ensure that they get a certain amount of time with the movie before it gets put into digital and all that kind of stuff. But now with the situation we're in, that's gone. And now we're starting to see more and more movies, instead of getting delayed, they're just dropping them onto streaming. Like the Tom Hanks movie I talked about, which was on Apple TV Plus, that was supposed to be a major motion picture release this summer on Father's Day. And instead, they just put it online. And now this, this was supposed to come out in theaters. And instead, they just put it on HBO Max. And coming up September, this is the one I'm most interested for, is Mulan, which is the live action remake of the the animated Disney film was supposed to be a major tentpole release this summer and it was being delayed for theater release but Disney finally just made the decision to release it on Disney Plus for the cost of $30 to watch it it's going to be fascinating to see if they even make a decent amount of money off of that it's going to be the death of movie theaters around the world because it's going to show distributors, hey, we can just put these on, you know, <laughs> online and say it's 30 bucks for the first, you know, two months and then start dropping the price after that. And we can make as much money that way or if maybe even make more money that way because you're not mm -hmm. having to split it with a movie theater. <laughs> right. It's like it's going to be fascinating to see how successful this is for Disney, because this is for me the litmus test of 
it's the first major movie like this that's doing this. And it's all because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And it's gonna have it's gonna have a ripple effect across the film industry forever. And it's gonna be yeah. fascinating to watch how this plays out. I was thinking the same thing, and it sort of struck me that this may turn movie theaters, it may open up room for independent cinema in a way that it hasn't existed in a long time because of movie theaters in order to compete with major producers that are going to be looking at streaming as the best way to open up a film and make more money that way. It may put movie theaters into a position where the best way that they can get people to actually come to them is giving them offerings that aren't available in any other way. Well, it's, and that could open up things for local cinema and independent cinema in very interesting ways. But what, what worries me though, Sean, is it probably means it's the death of major theater chains. Like yeah. we may see things like AMC go out of business, which means yeah. there's going to be tons of job loss. There's going to be tons of just decrepit buildings falling apart across the country that are just yeah. empty. It'll exacerbate these, the, right, the mall, these, the right. mall closures that have already been. Multiplex theaters will be gone. But what's interesting is it would be I would not be surprised if we kind of loop back to the golden era of movie palaces where it's not a multiplex with 20 screens. It's a beautiful, just amazing theater that has one or two screens and they do these tent pole just events. It's like that. I could see a resurgence of that, but it's a much smaller scale of what we got used to over the past couple of a few decades. I'm reminded of, of here in, in Brooklyn, we have the Brooklyn Academy of Music Rose Cinemas, which shows, I think they have four screens, maybe five, mm-hmm. and they will show usually on two or three screens, there will be well-known uh, films, mainstream films, usually with a more artistic bent. And then on the other screens, they will have much smaller independent or foreign films and the draw of that theater is like you're saying seeing specific films on big screens in a way that you can't experience it elsewhere um and it's an experience like that that i kept certain films i i haven't seen certain films that i want to see but i live in a in a city where i'm lucky enough to know that eventually if i keep my eyes open those things do show up here on the screen. So I'm able to see things like I saw Lawrence of Arabia for the first time on a a large screen. I saw Godfather for the first time on a large screen. There's a place for that. And it's like you said, the big chains will probably not make it. But I do see the same thing you see, which is the potential for an evolution into something that's going to look a lot more like the 1940s than the 1990s. So. Exactly. The the only other thing I wanted to bring up really quick is I've only seen one episode so far is there's an Apple TV plus show called Defending Jacob with Chris Evans. Mm. And he plays an assistant district attorney whose son is suspected of killing a classmate. And sounds really dark and awful. And it mm. kind of is. Uh, but the first episode I thought was tremendous. And I remember when it first came out, like in April, I think it was, the reviews were really good. Some people were saying they kind of shanked the ending of the season, but I, I'm just impressed by the performance. And it's just, the more I see Chris Evans in, mm-hmm. the more I love that guy. 
It's like mm. he is such a good actor in everything I see him in. Um, like Knives Out, <laughs> he yeah. was he was awesome in that. It's like it's great seeing him in this performance. They're they're very nuanced performances, and even though he doesn't look like the guy, he reminds me of a little bit of Robert Redford. He's kind of this, yeah, you know, just too every man. reality. Yeah. yeah, he's 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 a beautiful man. Does a very realistic, just emotionally, you can connect with him performance. So it's like. He, he may never win an Oscar, but like he's exceptional at what he does. And yeah. I, he kind of falls into the um, vacancy left by Harrison Ford. Yes, exactly. But the other thing about it that I thought was funny is it takes place here in Massachusetts. And I've lived in Massachusetts longer than any other place I've lived in my life. And it was kind of weird watching this show where it's like, oh, I know that place. Oh, <laughs> he, and his, he and his son are eating in this uh, pizza place. I've been in there. Oh, now they're yeah. eating this like little diner the, that's in uh, Watertown. I've had lunch there with my wife. It's like, and they're right. sitting in the booth I've actually sat in. <laughs> it's it a little weird seeing all these scenes where it's like I was actually able to place. And I'm like, that's not Newton. That's Watertown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are you fooling? <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it, it's pretty funny. Yeah, there was, uh, we have a similar experience living in New York and the number of productions, especially television shows that are filmed in not only in the city, but in our neighborhood. Yeah. And we were watching, uh, we've been looping back to a show that we really enjoy, which I didn't intend to talk about this, but I'll bring it up now, which is elementary, which is a terrific show. As far as a procedural goes, it's fine. But what I love about it is the relationship between Holmes and Watson. And it's, you know, Johnny Lee Miller and, um, Lucy Liu. And I think that the, the dynamic between the two of them is, is really, really great. And I watch it from the same place in my heart that I always watched Kirk and Spock. It's that kind of, they're very different, but they figure out, Oh my God, we fit. This is it. This is what we're supposed to be. Right. And they filmed a good amount of that in the neighborhood I lived in several years ago. And we were watching an episode recently and they were, they were supposed to be in Queens and my girlfriend who lived in Queens for a number of years, just like, that's not Queens. I'm like, no, as a matter of fact, that's a block away from where I lived. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you remember when I used to walk the dog around that corner? That's the corner. They're, they're standing in front of that. See the plumbing shop behind them. You remember that plumbing shop? And she's like, oh yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a weird experience. There's another movie that's, that was supposed to come out in July this year with Ryan Reynolds called Free Guy that obviously has been delayed too. I'm mm. looking forward to seeing that movie. I like Ryan Reynolds, but yeah. the main reason I'm looking forward to that movie is part of it was filmed here where I live <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> in my downtown. And the, the, like all the bank scenes, I guess, were filmed here. And so it's like I'm really curious to see how they're placing this into what fictional world they're putting it in because it's like right. it's, it should be fun to see my little downtown area <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> some crazy way it can be jarring yeah (laughs) it the end of tom cruise's war of the worlds was ruined for me when he finally reached the home of his ex-wife in boston and took his child to his ex-wife in boston yes and it was in boston and it was literally a block away from where i lived in brooklyn and so He's walking up to this brownstone and delivering his child after this turmoil. And it's supposed to be this very heavy moment of 
I did it. And I sat there and went, no, that's Carroll Street. Come on. Like, <laughs> what? No, that's Carroll Street. That's, that's. <laughs> so not only did it ruin the end of the movement movie for me, but then I ruined the end of the movie for everybody else in the room because I was just like, that's, that's, that's not even Brooke. That's not Boston. Sorry. 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 I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> so let us know what you think. You can reach out to us through Twitter at still TBDFM. You can reach out to me directly at by Sean Farrell, and you can reach out to Matthew at Matt Farrell or at undecided MF. Please watch the latest videos from Undecided with Matt Farrell on YouTube and check out the podcast, which is found at stilltbd.fm. You can also subscribe through any major podcast provider like iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review, and share us with your friends because it really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel, the channel helps Matthew, and then Matthew will make bad plain puns. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time.